the serendipity of a full circle career moment, queer representation in the Australian music industry, and what it was like being nominated for four ARIA awards by age 21. I'm Maggie. And I'm Jasmine. And you're listening to Culture Club. This is our monthly interview with a person we find interesting and that we think you will too. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people and the Gadigal people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work and record this podcast. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. 22-year-old singer-songwriter Maya Cummings is one of Australia's most exciting acts. From being featured on last year's winning Triple J Hottest 100 song with Flume to performing on stage at Coachella, Maya's moment has well and truly begun. Today, we're joined by the Sydney-based musician ahead of her new EP, Analysis Paralysis, dropping this week. Hi, Maya. Happy birthday for yesterday. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, what did you do to uh, celebrate your 22nd? Um, kind of just slept in, to be honest. <laughs> slept in, as some gluten-free waffles. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I watched The Last Twilight, which is not the best one, but um, my partner hadn't seen it, so yeah. I did that instead. <laughs> Watching Twilight is the ultimate comfort movie. Mm-hmm. I was feeling sick this week and I was like, I just want to watch Twilight. So that's like a perfect birthday movie, I think. No, no, it is. It is. Except the second one is really bad. I didn't remember how <laughs> bad that movie is. Unfortunately, I've only watched the first one, so I need to sit down. I know. I actually deserve an open mouth from Jazz because it's like I actually feel so much FOMO from the like Twilight <laughs> Renaissance. So um, I actually can't believe yeah. it. This is a revelation. I know. How have we Sorry. not ever spoken about this before? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'll- the second one's not even worth a watch. I'd skip it, to be honest. It's so bad. It's like an entire movie about her being depressed. Yeah. She's like, I'm sitting in a chair and I'm still sitting in a chair. And oh, that scene, another though. Month. It's pretty good. It's pretty oh. memeable. Yeah. God, no. I need to watch the one with a baby. Yeah. That's like, I think it was the last one. That's the no, one the I The second watched. last one. Yeah. The baby one, it's just so funny. It's like they CGI'd all these children and their faces are like not fully on the body and you're like, no. I can't tell if this was a great move because no one stopped talking about it because it was so bad. Renesme. The movie is like pretty great. Yeah, Renesme, the name is Oh, rough. so good. Yeah, so it's, good. It's, it's like a comedy now. Um, aside from Twilight, can you please tell us about your start in music? Why do you want to become a musician and how's that journey been so far? Um, I think that I I don't even know if I intentionally did it. Um, that that sounds strange, but but no, I, I've I've always sort of played music. I've always kind of written music and just had heaps of music around me. My dad has always played guitar, and I think that I was always like, ah, this is cool. I never really thought it could be like a job. But I was like, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to get into this. Um, but yeah, I just love poetry. I love writing. Um, I love books. So that kind of drew me to it originally rather than like sound. Mm. Um, but I'm kind of getting more into like the sound part now where I have a much bigger appreciation for different kinds of production and different sounding, you know, kits and different kind of guitar tones that's more what I'm experimenting with now rather than just like the words 
Mm. You were mentioning that you were always surrounded by music growing up, right? And um, you grew up between like Sydney, Byron. So how do you think kind of both your surroundings, but also just in general, your childhood and your teen years, how did they influence you as an artist? Um, I think just like being a fan of music in general just had the biggest impact that, (laughs) yeah, like, I don't know, always been super appreciative of it, which is funny because my mum is kind of the opposite. My mum never really cared too much about music. She was just like, yeah, it's just, it's just there. Um, (laughs) But my dad was always the one that was, uh, that would go on about songwriting and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think moving around a lot had a, had a big effect on making music because I would like start at a new school and like not really know anyone and kind of just mm-hmm. like I've always been really independent. I've always liked spending time alone, like writing alone. So that probably had a big effect on like the, just having the time to do it, I think. And how did you get discovered? So I know you were, you were in school, you're writing these songs. How did you go from that to then going on tour? Yeah, I kind of just walked into this random studio. I've I've had this like told this story quite a lot because I think people are always interested in like how you how you how you get from A to yeah. B. And it's always hard whenever people ask me like, "Oh, how do you find a manager? How do you, you know, talk to people from a, like a label? Like did you just sit there and like email all your songs to everybody?" And I just sort of had a really weird random experience. Um, that was totally unplanned. So I'm not the best person to ask those questions to because I was like, I don't know, I walked into a random building because it had a music note on it. And I was just like, hey, <laughs> do you guys like do singing lessons or something in here? Like, what what is this? Oh my God. Um, and the guy behind the desk, I think they just recently opened and the guy behind the desk was like, um, oh, this is like an, I've just started an artist development school. So like I, I, t- I do like, songwriting courses for like kids and um do like singing lessons and stuff and I was like are you gonna make me sing jazz which is just like (laughs) the only experience I'd had was like singing teachers that were like you have to print out sheet music and come in and I want you to sing this and I was like I this is not my vibe but yeah he he was like oh you know play play me a song because I got I want to hear your voice and I remember being like oh I'm not gonna get into whatever this school is um so I picked up the guitar and I played the only song I knew how to play on guitar at the time I was like 13 and it was like beside you by five seconds of summer <laughs> yes yeah so I'm like barely could play guitar at this point I'm like she sleeps alone you know <laughs> and I'm like this random guy is not gonna know this fucking song um and he's like sitting there kind of smirking and like laughing at me a little bit and I was like oh my god he thinks I'm terrible I guess at the end of the song he's like why did you pick that song and I was like, I don't know, I, I love the writing and I like I love this song. And he looks me dead in the eyes and he's like, I wrote that song. <gasps> and I was Stop. like, there's no way, there's no way. And he was like, turn around. So I turned around and there's like this five seconds of summer plaque on the wall and it says beside you by five seconds of summer like to like Christian LaRusso, which is his name. Um, and I was just like floored. It was the weirdest experience. Oh, my um, God. And we talk about it now. He's my manager yeah. now. And he was like, oh, no, I fully knew from that moment. It was just too weird because he w- he had been he started this school because he was like, I want to, like, find an artist that I want to manage. Yeah. But, like, I don't really know who that is. And I know I want it to be, like, a younger person so that we can, like, develop something over yeah. time. And I was the first artist he had ever 
managed as well. So it's just so serendipitous. That is like the universe just like pointing you in the right direction. That's crazy. Yeah, it was wild. And then and then we went on tour with Five Seconds of Summer like last year. And I was talking to one of the band members, and I told them that story, and he fully didn't believe me. He was like, "Yeah, it sounds like a movie." It does. It does. Wow. That I'm actually speechless. I mean, especially kind of going from performing a song from a band that you love to touring with them. What was that like? Was yeah, how was that experience for you? It was pretty wild. It does make you realize how much you I I don't know, like things that you idolize as a child kind of mm. don't really go away. I I don't know. I feel like the whole experience the entire time I was just like damn like 11 year old me would be dead right now like that's the that's that feeling the whole time but I was just super appreciative and they're like great instrumentalists like crazy um yeah talented and it, I feel like I learned a lot about like performing yeah I bet um because I um was especially and still am but I was a massive five sauce fan so I used to have um like uh, like I was really hardcore into one direction twitter but mm. as a subsect of that I was on like five sauce twitter right and like in my bio I had like Callum follows <laughs> like oh, it was my it was my the, like uh, the biggest bi- biggest goal and achievement of my life at like 12 years old mm. were you on like were you a fan girl as a teen Oh, I was a fangirl of Five Seconds of Summer. Yeah. I don't wow. know if there was anything else really that I was that hardcore with, but I was a big Five Sauce fan. I didn't remember being on Five Sauce Twitter right. at all. I didn't think that I had Twitter when I was younger. I thought that mm. I only got it this year, but I must have had it because I, after doing those shows, like they have some hardcore ass fans that just like yeah. they, they'll jump on the support and like they'll just be there for them and it's just mm. it's so cool they're so dedicated and like we'll just like support anyone that like the band has been like I want you guys to see this but it also means that they love to do some digging so I think that they just they found like old photos of me oh. like like photos from like like high school yearbook vibes I was like this is crazy but they found my first tweet ever was at Luke five sauce follow me oh, bless. <laughs> 2014 and then I <laughs> they somehow found that and just like everyone kept reposting me like she just like us for real like oh my true. god so <laughs> true what a full circle moment that is very very cool congratulations your latest EP analysis paralysis is out this week on September 1st so what themes does this EP encompass and how does it feel to have it out in the world so soon? Um, it feels good. It feels like it's been an uphill battle for a while on like trying to get all the things done, but it's also mm-hmm. been super rewarding. Um, I think it covers a lot. It's like a big, it's a big relationship album. Mm-hmm. I mean, EP. Um which I actually didn't realize, I think because I was so close to it and so close to the songs, it's so hard to see what it is like until you take a big step back. And I think it wasn't until like somebody wrote like a big um, like review of each song. Mm. And I was like, God damn, this is like every, <laughs> every song is like a, it's like a breakup song. Um, but yeah, I think that I, I fell into the habit of like writing about all of my emotions like a relationship um and like it comes across Mm. that way rather Mm. than it like every single one actually being about that um but yeah I think there's a a lot more anger 
mm-hmm. in this EP and it's a lot darker than the first one because um, I think that's just where the like the world has gone in that direction. Mm-hmm. Like we're all a lot more angry than we were four years ago and like I'm, I'm kind of happy about that because, you know, we're actually doing things about the things that make us upset rather than acting like it's not there. Mm. But yeah, I think I think it covers a lot more of like it feels closer to me than the last project. It feels like I took a step in a direction. I don't know. Um, it's a very broad <laughs> statement, but well, I guess that comes with getting older as well. Like mm. to be sharing your inner thoughts of like a uh, eighteen to twenty one year old is very different to like twenty two to twenty five. I think even though you wrote this when you were twenty one, obviously, but um. Yeah, I think like you just become more confident in yourself and probably your abilities. Would you say that's right? Yeah, definitely. I got I got a lot more comfortable with like actually trying the things that I wanted to rather than repressing them because mm. it felt weird. But vocal tone and stuff like that. I think things that feel weird to do like in a vocal booth and like in a room of people when you're trying to be open, it's it's really it's quite hard to like be like here's everything that I'm yeah. scared of and here's everything that I like want to try but I haven't done before and I, I don't know if I'll be able to pull it off and it feels like sometimes if you're working with like new people people you don't know it's you you sort of view them as like somebody sitting in a chair just judging you even though mm. it's barely like that but it's hard to like get over that hurdle um so I think I it took a lot more for me to be able to sort of try different things because I'm I'm a lot more anxious than I thought I was but um Mm. yeah trying like different vocal tones and different I love rap music so much and I wanted to like incorporate at least a little bit of what felt like my take on rapping which is really just talking fast but um uh yeah I love like mixing that into it as well I mean it makes sense and by the way like because we got to listen to the EP ahead of it coming out and it's so bloody good it's I I, like I can't I know what you mean about I think um leaning more into your sound because it does feel like there's like an evolution of you as a person and your music and I just I love it it's on repeat I went for a little run this morning and I'm just like um yeah and like you kind of mentioned before that you were experimenting more or you were more interested in the sound aspect whereas you know in the past songwriting has also been your kind of bread and butter but I kind of want to know about that process of experimenting with sound and producing this and like you know creating this EP what was that like and kind of what you were saying in the studio as well and getting over those I guess anxieties about trying new things um, I definitely have my comfort person, which is Robbie. He's a producer that I've worked with since I was like 13, who I met at that first studio that I like walked into. Um, and writing with him always feels like such a beautiful safe space and I can kind of do whatever I want without feeling that. Um, so I, I, I like went to LA for three months and I wrote a whole bunch of stuff with like a different person every single day. And Mm. it was just like crazy. It was like doing therapy again and again Mm. and again with a different therapist every day. And you're like having to go into that first session explaining who you are. (laughs) Like, and they're like just trying to grasp you. Um, which is, which is hard to like write something that feels honest. If you're like, I I don't even know you. (laughs) Like it's just difficult. Um, 
So a lot of that felt like just like throwing pasta at the wall and seeing mm. if anything will stick. Um, but I know the purpose of it is like to try and find a long-term collaborator that I can just keep working with. And we did a session with um, the guys that I wrote Guilty Conscience with, which is Sammy White and Stint, and they're like beautiful guys. And um, we did a bunch together, and I think I learned a lot from Sammy of just like playing around with instruments in the room and like trying different things and like sitting there for ages trying to find the right sort of drum sound. Um, Just like hearing them go like just just witnessing the way that they talk about instrumentation and like different sounds and like running things through different amps. Um, It was really interesting because I was never really around that. I was more always involved in the like how many syllables should this line have if the line Mm. previous had this many like (laughs) yeah just the technical stuff in language doesn't matter so much to me anymore because I think I was just trying to prove that I was smart which is just not like a reason to make music I think yeah it must be really yeah full-on like meeting someone for the first time and then you're like anyway here's like my deepest inner thoughts like that's yeah, it's not hard. common in many professions. So like, I, yeah, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I had a lot of breakdowns and it, it took a long time for me to kind of recover from doing that, from like going in. I'm a really, really, really emotional person. And I think that LA can be a bit of a hard place mm-hmm. sometimes, especially if like your profession is like, songwriting as a top liner and like going in and writing with other people and you're used to getting if you do that all the time you sort of get a bit jaded towards people's emotions I think um and you see it more as like I just got to get through this day because I got Mm -hmm. a dentist appointment at 6 p.m and I got to get out of here whereas I'm like this is my whole life and this is my diary like sitting here being like you don't care like oh yeah that would be hard but you find the people that do, you know, and that's yeah. the people you stay with. Yeah. So how did you end up collaborating with Flume, speaking of collaborators, and what was it like being a part of the song that won Triple J's Hottest 100 for 2022? Uh, pretty crazy. I think um, we we had a session um, together and I had I'd just done some shows like the, the few weeks, a few weeks, sorry, a few, like the day before. Um, and this was like pre, I had vocal surgery. It was a whole thing. And this was like pre me getting that. So I'd like lose my voice really easily. It felt like it was made of like glass. Mm. Um, and because I played the show and then showed up to the session the next day, like I just completely lost my voice Mm. and we was like sitting in the session and I was like, Oh my God, this is fucking flume. And I can't sing. Like I'm never going to get an opportunity like this ever again. And like, I can't believe this is happening to me. And I was like trying to record different things and it just like, wasn't working. Um, I was like pretty devo. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is like an incredible opportunity. That's kind of slipping through my fingers. I feel, um, but he was really sweet about it and he was like, let's just go get some food. So we just like walked around the city and had a bit of a chat, just like ate some food. And then I didn't hear anything for ages Um, and then randomly hit me up and was like, do you want to be on this song? I was like, "Uh, yes. Okay. (laughs) They were very much like we're just testing out people, like we're just tracking 
different voices mm. to see what fits like don't like get your hopes up kind of mm. thing yeah. and so I really really thought that it was not gonna happen I was like okay I'll just like record the vocals and then I'm never gonna hear anything again um and then didn't hear anything for ages and then they were like do you want to shoot the music video and I was like what oh this is like this is like fully happening I guess wow and then when it came to winning over the summer that must have been so surreal like going from thinking that you're not even going to be on a track to then winning like one of the most culturally prestigious uh music awards of like the nation that's wild yeah it was pretty yeah I think it it hasn't really stuck in my brain Mm. yet too especially like I you know along with most people that listen to the hottest 100 every single year and I remember, I think it was like four years ago, I remember being like, oh, it would be cool to be in this one day. Like, I doubt mm. that I ever would, but it would be nice. And then I think the year after I got like 199 or something. Nice. And the year later it was like 101. Wow. So <laughs> I was like, fuck, I didn't even Someone's make testing it. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the year after 101 it was like one and I was like, that's, that's crazy. crazy. That's actually wild. And, like, it's a funny thing because you're right. Like, so many of us have grown up listening to Hot 100. It's been around for decades. And, yeah, Jazz pulled up this fact that you were the first openly queer artist to – ever win the hottest 100 and only the seventh woman so Mm. with that in mind like why do you think Australia is so slow or has so far to go in terms of representation I don't know I don't I (laughs) really don't know because I remember when um when the track won I was tagged in heaps of stuff that was like a win for the gays and when I started seeing it come in a, in real time, I was like, I mean, slay, but also, like, why does it have to be about being queer? I think that was, like, my immediate reaction was to be mm-hmm. like, why does this have to be the main point? And then it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, my God, it really kind of is a win for the gays considering <laughs> it's, like, the first, yeah. first, like, proper queer person that, like, speaks about being queer and has music about being queer. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to go through all the artists and I was like, oh, none of these people are really – I'm not sure if, like – Kimbra has queer music or something. She featured on um, the Gautier track. Mm. But, yeah, there's there's not a lot of women. And uh, a lot of the women that have won are also feature artists. And right. two of them are on a flume track. Like, it's so <laughs> yeah. wild, isn't it? Awful. Yeah. You're right. Like a lot of your music, you do sing so much about your queerness and your personal experiences as well. And I want to know, I'm always fascinated about this as people who are like in our early 20s, how do you choose what you want to put out in your art and what you want to keep for yourself? I have a few songs that I recorded that are about like pretty personal situations in my life. And I remember recording them and I would do it. Like I'd written out the whole thing and I did it in like maybe one take. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I, I remember like I was like crying in the studio and I just said afterwards, I was like, I am never going to be able to, like, listen to this again. I was like, please, like, s- like send me the, the song. But I, I don't think – I was like, don't put any extra work into this because I don't think I'm ever going to be able to, like, mm. listen to it. And I don't, I don't think I have listened to those songs since. Um, 
And because like they go onto like a SoundCloud that has that gets sent to like you don't really have control. At least I don't have a lot of control over that. Um, it gets sent to the labels. It gets sent to management and stuff. Um, and I had people messaging, being like, "Oh my god, this song is so amazing! Like it really deserves light." And I was like, "Well, you know, I can't tell you not to listen to it, but I'm just never gonna put mm. that out anywhere." And it's yeah, it's only been with some like really personal stuff um but I I guess I have so much input from so many people because you know I've got I've got so many teams in different countries and like different labels and people involved in management and different like there's a lot of people involved in my project behind the scenes um so it does feel like I think that's where analysis paralysis comes from because there is just like so many opinions and so many different favorite songs and so many people that like disagree with like I think that this is the best move mm. and getting all of that information and trying to process it and being like I have no idea who to listen to or what to do or what I even think anymore oh my god I can't even imagine like someone having that many opinions on my work like for us yeah, we're writers cool. first and foremost so we have our editors Mm. But yeah, when people start like commenting or like ha- having different opinions, you're like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> is this <laughs> yeah. actually out in the world? Like my opinions out was weird. So yeah, yeah. kind of semi it's, can relate. T- yeah, it's definitely more weird now. I'm sure that you would notice with writing too. You sort of change when you are aware that somebody is going to yeah. like, perceive it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in the beginning of songwriting, like that if that first EP, I had hadn't really released too much, and I hadn't thought about writing things and people going to hear them Mm. um but now I do think that I like avoid talking about certain things because I know that people are going to listen and the first EP was like so open and honest about like a specific relationship that I'd had and I think that I spoke a bit too publicly about it and you know the person that I wrote the songs about was aware of it and like I think Mm. that it's had a bit of an impact on their life um unfortunately and I learned a really big lesson from that and being like I don't think that was the best decision but I just had no idea what was you know going on yeah 100%. on the flip side of that then how are you um how are you navigating I guess your like current relationship and how much you share about that in terms of whether that be social media or in mm. your music um, like completely, completely private. And I completely yeah. understand why people do that now. And it's not necessarily like, because you're like, oh, I don't want people to know, or like, I, I don't want opinions. But the second that you, you know, have a pressure to act a certain way publicly, I don't know, it just, it like invites everybody into the relationship. And then you're almost like, if you're totally fine and you're totally stable and then other people are asking questions, I feel like it might seep in and you're like, maybe this isn't the best thing. Like, mm. And I feel so solid and so comfortable and so protected in my current relationship. I'm like just not willing to invite anyone else into that, you know? Yeah, I totally relate to that. Mm. I think I was talking about the podcast before, but I was in a long distance relationship and I used to write about it a lot for different magazines and publications and during COVID, international borders and stuff. And then all of a sudden I just turned one day and I was like, I actually don't want to talk about this. Like I want to keep something. It's so Mm. special and I know that we're solid. So like why I'm just expressing my feelings, but like it does feel like inviting the world. Obviously it's huge, but like 
mm. other people into your relationship and like it's a funny feeling and then you're just like actually no like I just want this to be like a special like a safe place to go to that's not about work and like I don't have to think about how's my career like impacting them no definitely even like I'm sure people would like comment on different articles or mm. things that you've written being like oh but why would I stay with someone yeah. if, if they were across <laughs> the world and then you're sitting there reading it at midnight yeah. being like why am I staying <laughs> Or then strangers being like, oh, how are you and your boyfriend? Like, I know that you're going through X, Y, Z. Like, that must be so hard. And, like, yeah. it's all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, I just, like, saw like, myself asleep about this last night. And now, like, a stranger's yeah. asking about it. But that's my fault because I told everyone. So you're like, yeah, it's, mm. it's fascinating. <laughs> I think I think when you put things into the abyss of the internet, you forget that real people are reading it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't <laughs> even remind me. <laughs> there's a lot out there oh god and with all this on like in mind like you're talking about being in LA as well and how that was quite like a wide experience um and having you know so many strangers comment about your life and everything how do you stay grounded in this industry um honestly I still live at home when I am home like I live with my parents and my sister and in the beginning when I first moved back I was sort of just like oh why am I here like this is so intense like being back with my parents makes me feel like I'm a kid and I feel like I'm acting more like a child Mm because I think that happens when you like go on family holiday and then mm. you're like sitting in the back of the car and you're like can I pee and they're like no and you're like I'm a full grown adult <laughs> now you know I, it, the past few months have, have been pretty hard for me emotionally and my mom has just been there and shown up like more than she ever has in my life in such a strong way um and she's like she's really there for me every day and like so is my dad and I think it's the the most that I've felt like really yeah really like cared for and really heard and like the ability to be able to talk about things which I didn't feel like I I was that at all as like a teenager I was very much like just running away and not coming home and you know had a pretty interesting relationship with my parents um which I fully think was completely on on me um but yeah, I, I really love that like coming home and staying here has given me the opportunity to like experience that with my parents. Um, and they, they ground me the most. I mean, my mom grounds me the most out of everything. She does not give a shit. Yeah, literally. I'll be like, oh, I'm playing Coachella next week. She's like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> what is Coachella? What was it like playing Coachella, by the way? Um, it was wild. It was pretty insane. Just like, I felt like I was floating above myself Mm. the whole time. I was like, this is so weird. But it was also like super inspiring to be like around all of those artists. Um, yeah, just wild. Like playing a stage that massive to a crowd that big. Um, and like being fully aware that I'm like, no one here like would have any clue like what my music is or who I am but it's like amazing to get the opportunity to like test Mm. that sort of stage and at that kind of level um and like feel like you have the opportunity to kind of make a mistake I think yeah Um, I mean it's a lot of pressure because you're like this isn't my performance so if if I mess up you know it's not just like on me it's on Mm. everybody but I think that them I, – I mean, I put a lot of pressure on myself, but I think, you know, the whole, like, kind of Flume team 
new. They're like, you're very young, very underdeveloped artist. Like we're not expecting you to come out and, yeah. you know, be something, you know, fucking Beyonce. But it was crazy. <laughs> like it's it's pretty wild. The, the lead up to Coachella is like, you know, months of vocal training, months of mm-hmm. like just like training in general and then, um, you know, trying to stay fit and then doing that movement coaches and then having hundred styling meetings wow. and pe- like personal hairdresser showing up to your ha- like that kind of crazy shit. And you're like, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. I felt like I was in the princess diaries where they just like <laughs> throw up in school. <laughs> like you're going to be the princess of Geneva. Like that's <laughs> wow. so much prep for like two days. And then yeah. it's done, and you're like, "What do I do with myself now?" I can imagine afterwards you'd be like, "Okay, what what's my life now?" Wow, yeah. amazing, that's wild. I guess. Um, and then when you're not touring, you just finish, um, you know, touring around Australia. Um, aside from rewatching Twilight, what do you <laughs> enjoy doing? <laughs> um, I just really like doing art stuff. Yeah. At least right now, I think it changes a lot. Like uh, I go through hobbies pretty fast but I always come back to them um but right now I'm just working on a bunch of like different like launch stuff um gallery stuff so you know I spent the whole morning like paper macheing this giant sculpture thing and like spraying plants chrome like that's the stuff that I like doing is like just like using my hands yeah being back like making the things I think when you start like getting bigger as an artist people try to take things off your plate so that you don't have to worry about doing mm. things so much. They're like, mm. you just give us the idea and we'll get someone to do it, um, which is completely understandable because you can't do everything. But, yeah, I think this part of my life I've just really missed the actual making of the thing. We feel that as well, like working digitally on a laptop all day. <laughs> and then on the weekends, mm. it's like, I just want to use my hands or I just want to, like, clean, like switch my brain off and not look at no, the screen. fully, fully. <laughs> and... Every week on our podcast, we give our listeners recommendations on what we've enjoyed reading or listening to or watching recently. Can you share a recommendation that you've been loving lately? Um, I have been reading this book called The Weapons of Math Destruction. And Ooh. it's about like how different processes that were designed by like analytics for different like um they're basically just like systems that started as one thing and then ended up growing and like affecting our daily life like something could have been invented for like a betting system on like you know or like even like a baseball match on like trying to figure out what the odds are of somebody like scoring or I don't know how baseball works fuck I don't know (laughs) (laughs) um but how that could turn into like, oh, this could also be used for trying to separate who is a danger to, you know, the prison system. And it's it's really interesting because, wow. you know, I think everyone should read it to see how, you know, it's impacting every single person yeah. in the world. But it also, it's a lot. It's like you kind of sit there and you're like <laughs> angry, <laughs> angry reading. Um but a positive one, I don't know, I was reading Normal People. It's a great yeah. book, Sally Rooney. Oh, classic. God, I love the range there. I've got like mm. a angry STEM book is what I'm getting and then yeah. like we love Sally Rooney, no punctuation <laughs> girl. Um, honestly, 
Thank you so much for joining us on Culture Club today, Maya. It's been such an incredible time chatting with you and learning more about your music. Um, where can our listeners find you and keep um, updated with your music? Um, on any streaming platform, any streaming platform at all. Um, got a lot of music videos on YouTube, so check those out if you're a visual gal. And um, yeah, just Instagram probably has the most updates as well, which is Maya with the dash. Well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks and for good luck with the EP. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.